0: You're listening to audio from Gospel Light Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more of our resources or support our ministry, please visit gospellight.sg. Good morning to all of you. I may be not familiar to you because this is the first time I preach in this main congregation. My name is K. Hong. And because of this is the first time I'm going to preach in this congregation, I'm going to share more about myself. This is my family picture. The one behind me is May. Um, she's somewhere around. <laughs> the two girls, is my, they, are, they are my daughter, and the two young men are my son-in-law. The y- little baby is my grandson. I'm a grandfather now. I have one grandson. Uh, this picture was taken about two years ago. Today, he can run faster than me. Yes. Two years old, I can run very fast. <laughs> I have to chase after him. So this is my family picture. My wife, May, and I, we married for 34 years. We married in 1990, December. So this month is our anniversary month. We married for 34 years. But for the first 10 years, our marriage was not smooth sailing because we did not know Jesus. We are trying to use our own method, our own philosophy to manage our marriage. And because of without God, and because of we are trying to build our career and we live a separate life. And when we come together, there always a friction and we quarrel. I remember on the ten years anniversary, um, we tried to celebrate. We went to a nice resort, and, but we came back and then we have a big fight. And in my mind, I was thinking, enough is enough. And my wife was so very tired of it. And even he she told me that maybe we should go and find a lawyer. Thankfully, my Mrs. Dilling, I know someone, that uh, brought me to this church, GLCC, Gospel-Like Christian Church. And that was uh, 2001 January, we came to this church. It was located at uh, Dungeon Road, and Pastor Paul, too, was a senior pastor. He, he, he's our founding pastor, and he's a senior pastor. He was a senior pastor. He preached a series of horizontal relationship, how to relate to God. Frankly, I don't really remember what are the preachings, what were the preachings, but I remember one thing he talked about marriage. He talked about marriage is, was, is designed by God, and that's instruction. That's... Very new to me. I always thought that, oh, I, we try to do our best, try to manage our marriage, try to preach each other. And now I know, okay, this is from God. I need to learn about what marriage is all about. And we continue to attend this church. And after week after week, sermons after sermons, and we, I realized that the problem of my marriage is not because I don't know how to manage it, it's because I'm a sinner. Likewise, my wife is a sinner. I'm so selfish. I love myself more than anyone. I love myself more than her. I'm I'm so self-centered. So because of that, my marriage has problem. And also I realized that sin, the punishment of sin is death. So I need to repent of my sin and turn to Jesus. And I was saved in 2001, June. And that year we baptized in October. Three years later, 2004, June, There was an opening to China, to mission. And we decided to grab hold of this opportunity, afraid that other people may may take it. (laughs) So we grabbed and we we went, because we are so thankful. We gratitude. We thank God for how he saved my soul, and how he preserved my marriage. So I, I no turning back after that, until today. Now, because of COVID, I'm back, and I serve in a local church, and my role in this church right now, I'm serving in a family life ministry. If you see the Buddha Proof Workshop, it's like my team is running this Buddha Proof Workshop. And i also serving in um, care group ministry. So today I'm going to share with you the passage from Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 to 10. This is one of my favourite passages. It speaks my heart. I can relate what Paul is saying or teaching in this um, book, in this chapter. The title of this sermon is Where's Your Confidence? Where's your confidence? As we are pursuing success in our life, we want to achieve certain uh, achievements and then we always think that confidence is a very important ingredient. Whether you are doing, uh, building your career, you are running your family, Especially if you are leaders, and you you think that I need to have confidence. Parents, how you teach your kids, when the kids want to go for exam, you say, must have confidence. Don't be distracted. Must have confidence. So we always talk about confidence, confidence. But what kind of confidence that God wants us to possess? Where is your confidence? This is today we want to talk about. I remember when I was um, doing SEERS, I was very young, started my new life as a working adult so i was doing Sears, and my supervisor always tell me that you must have confidence before you in front of your clients your prospects so that they think that you know your stuff if you don't have pretend you have it yeah this is what i will tell you and the supervisor also tell if you don't have go and mix with someone that successful people then you will be influenced by them there's there's this saying I know it's very old school, maybe during my time, there's this saying, say that if you want to fly like an eagle, don't mix with turkey. Yeah. Maybe nowadays people don't say that anymore. But the idea is there. The idea is there. You want to be successful, don't go and mix with those people who are not successful. The idea is there. So, this is what the world teaches us. So, I'm going to examine, today we're going to examine Paul's lives from Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 to 10, and learn from Paul his confidence. Where is his confidence? There are three points here. First, we want to look at Paul's loss, then followed by Paul's gain and Paul's confidence from this passage. Chapter 3, verse 4, Paul said, If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Who is Paul talking to? Paul is talking to the false teachers, the Judaizers, who came to the Gentile believers and say that if you want to be saved, you need to be circumcised and you need to obey the law of Moses in order to be saved. So this is Paul's. This is the false teachers. are trying to teach the. Gentile believers, and Paul strongly against it. Even in Galatians say that this is another gospel. Because once you add something on the grace of God, on um, only the Jesus alone, then it becomes another gospel. It's like the Judaism say that you want to be Christian, you need to be Zeus first in order to be Christian. If Paul did not defend the gospel, defend the truth, I don't think today we, we can listen to the gospel. The gospel will not come to us today. So thank God Paul defended and strongly against it. This is a constant battle that Paul, is, Paul was facing. Even in uh, Colossians and Pastor Jason preached, I remember one of the sermons talked about Jesus plus. He's talking about they had to add, add something in order to be safe. Exactly, this is the same idea. Jesus plus. When we have Jesus plus, the plus will get bigger and bigger. Bigger and bigger. Because the plus is based on our performance. Performance, that means you want people to notice. You want people to see. You want to brag about it. You, you will start comparing. Oh, mine is bigger, yours is bigger. Mine is stronger, yours is stronger. I commit more. I pray more. I fast more. You're getting bigger and bigger. You compare, and you become very judgmental. Oh, you see, he never do this; he never do that. So, when once you had this, Jesus the plus will get, get bigger and bigger. So, this is the issue. So, Paul gathered all the assuming. I just paint you a picture. He gathered all the false teachers into a room and said, "If things that you have reasoned for your confidence in the flesh, I have more." And he get everybody to stand up. And Paul said, I'm going to list down all my achievements. If any of these achievements that you think that you can depend on, you can put your confidence in, you can sit down. So Paul goes on. He said, first, circumcise. Circumcise on the eighth day. Why eighth day? Because he was born in a Jewish Jewish family. circumcised in the eighth day. So this is a plus. He's even circumcised as something to brag about. My circumcision is on the eighth day. How about yours? My circumcision is better than your circumcision. So there's something to brag and compare. So he said, I circumcised on the eighth day. I'm going to relate to today's context. And maybe you also can examine yourself. Are you putting your confidence in this? This is about richer stuff. In our context, maybe we talk baptism. Maybe you think that, oh, I'm baptised in this church, in this form, I should be safe. The churches think that if you baptise in other churches, you are not safe unless you baptise in my church. They, they, went to the, they go to that kind of extreme. Maybe Holy Communion. Oh, I took Holy Communion every week, or every, every time they have Holy Communion, I accumulated enough of righteousness. I should be safe. Or the common one, author call. Oh, I remember that year when pastor had an author call, I walked down the aisle, I make a sinner prayer. I should be safe. Is this your confidence? Next, Paul said, he was of the people of Israel. Israel is a very special tr- race that's chosen by God, has special relationship with God. So Paul is talk- saying that I have this special relationship with God. In today's context, we may think that, oh, I'm born in this f- Christian family. I should be safe. When I was in mission, I talked to a lady in a church. I asked Oh, can you tell me your salvation story? How you get saved? How you got saved? She said, I was saved in my mother's womb. Oh, how can it be? My mother is a Sunday school teacher. I attend church every Sunday, even in my mother's womb. So there are people who may think that, Oh, now I'm born in a Christian family. I should be saved. Then Paul going, following, follow say that uh, he was a Hebrew or Hebrews. Hebrew or Hebrews is talking about he has um, very prestige linkage of his family tree. Maybe his grandfather or, or his family, all the generation, they are Hebrew or Hebrews. Today, many people may think that, oh, my father is a pastor, is a missionary. My grandfather is the founding of this church and I now attending this church, I should be saved. And Paul followed by saying he asked the law He asked the law, uh Pharisees Pharisees obey the law strictly. They memorize scripture. They do what they're supposed to do. They don't do what they're not supposed to do. They keep the food. They eat the uh, unclean. They will not touch unclean things. They don't want to eat unclean food. They follow the, the rule very strictly, very conservative. Maybe you think that, oh, I'm very conservative I only worship in certain kind of music. I only uh, watch certain kind of movie, listen to certain kind of um, listen to certain kind of music, and I I should be safe because I follow the law. I follow the the rules very closely. I should be safe. Then Paul continues to say, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Nobody can question Paul's passion, Paul's zeal. He even can brag about it. He's a persecutor of the church. Because at that moment he looked at this Christian, they call it the way, this following this the way. This group are the betrayers, they are like a cult, they are betrayers from the their Judaism. So he thinks that he persecuted this group of people. He was, he was okay. But he was full of zeal and passion that persecuted, persecuting these churches. And today, maybe you feel that I'm in charge of big ministry. I, uh, I put in a lot of effort. Every Saturday, Sunday, I'm in church. I should be saved. Last one, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul here is talking about he's, he's, he's a very righteous, he was a very righteous person. He thought that he was a very righteous person. He, he these people that have this high moral standard and because I, my moral, moral standard is very high and I always keep close to it and I feel that I, my conscience is very clear and I should be safe because I always do good. People look at me, they know that I'm a good person. I'm very helpful, I'm loving, I help a lot of people. So I should be safe. So when Paul leads out all these achievements and the group of false teachers, probably everybody already sit down because they can relate. And maybe one of them, look at Paul. Hey, Paul, why are you still still standing? And Paul will answer them, yes, I have all these achievements. In fact, I did all this better than any one of you. But I cannot ignore the countless sin I have committed. And no matter how well I perform, my achievements, I cannot pay my sin. And the wages of sin is death. That's why Paul needs Jesus. He turned to Jesus. That is verse 7. He said, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. For the sake of Christ, he counted whatever gain he had as loss. This is like a balance sheet. On one side is all the achievements On one side is Jesus, and Paul has to make a decision. You can choose either one. You cannot have both. But we we tend to think that we can have both. I want my current life, and on top of that, God, give me more more blessing, give me more wealth, give me more health, on on top of my current life. There are many teachings teach you, oh, you can do whatever you... Like, you still can have your own lifestyle and you just believe in Jesus, they bless you more, bless you more, and claim by faith, once you have faith, Jesus will give you. No, now it's a balance sheet. You have to choose either one. Unless you truly see that the value of Jesus, you will not forego whatever you have gained, your achievements. The value of Jesus had to be far greater than these achievements that that will help you to make that decision, right? When we met Jesus, our life had changed. Our life had turned upside down. When Paul met Jesus, that was when he wrote this letter about 20, 30 years ago, when he was on the way to. Damascus, he went to high priest, he obtained a letter, and went to, wanted to, want to, to, want to go to Damascus, wanted to go to Damascus to capture, to arrest the Christians in Damascus. He wanted to go door to door, house to house, to arrest them and bring them to Jerusalem. So while he was on the way to Damascus, And suddenly, there's this great light shone around him. And he fell on the floor. He heard Jesus say that, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That time, his name was Saul until he converted and changed to Paul. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I believe at that moment, Paul repented and turned to Jesus because he said, who are you? He called Jesus as Lord. Maybe in his mind, a lot of things that he heard about Jesus perform miracles, heals uh, all the sick, and the blind that can see, and die on the cross. Three days later, resurrected. All click. All put into pieces. And he can see that Jesus is the Messiah. That is the time he recognized Jesus is his Lord. So he repented and turned away from his sin and accepted Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. So from then on, Paul's life has changed. He has a bright future. He's a young Pharisee, bright future. But because when we met Jesus, we were make some radical decision, unbelievable decision. Our life had changed because all these achievements is no longer what we want to achieve. We want to have more of Jesus. When I met Jesus some 22 years ago, 2001, yeah, 22 years ago, My life has changed. And when there's opening for mission, we drop everything. We go. To me, it's a blessing. It's not, when you look at your loss, it's no longer a loss. And because you can gain Jesus, the loss is no longer a loss to you. And we enjoy the time together as family and enjoy Jesus in a mission field. There was once my daughter, young, uh, my, one of my daughters came to me with a business card in the mission field. So he said, Daddy, uh, you are your, your, direct, your title is branch director. Oh, yeah, I said, I was uh, branch director in one of the big four property agencies in Singapore. Oh, uh, who is your boss? I said, oh, my boss, so-and-so, and that time was one of the big four, I think today, I'm not sure, I don't think so. So my boss was so-and-so. And my boss died to brag about how he started his, his business, his agency from nothing. His education level is secondary too. He liked to say well, how he built his company from nothing. So he this tagline, he said, From Zero to Hero. He tagline, From Zero to Hero. Then my daughter heard and said, Oh, Daddy, people from zero to hero, uh, but you from hero to zero. <laughs> exactly. When you know Jesus, you are from hero to zero. Paul was hero. He, because for the sake of Christ, he became zero. But the zero is not, nothing. The zero is because you will have Jesus. You will gain Jesus. But you must understand the value of Christ. Then you will treasure it. If you don't see the value, you will not forego what you have, your achievement to gain Christ. Jesus in Matthew 10 also said that whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake, for my sake, for Jesus' sake, will find it. It's the same idea. You have to lose it in order to gain him. If you try to put your faith, your trust, your confidence in what you have, and at the same time you say, I want Jesus, you will lose it. You need to know that only Jesus, only Jesus is enough. You cannot have Jesus plus. Let me tell you an incident that I encountered in this church. Maybe it can help you to understand Christ's love better. There was one, we had this prayer meeting in the church, church office, devotion and prayer meeting. And we divided into, divided into smaller groups. And I was with uh, Pastor Jacob. You know Pastor Jacob? Uh, Telugu, the, the Telugu uh, pastor, our Indian pastor, Pastor Jacob. So I was with him and with another brother. So he shared, he said, please pray for my wife. She's going to do a kidney transplant. I said, oh, in my mind I was thinking, Oh, something happened to your wife, huh? sickness, huh? kidney disease. Huh? I said, what happened to your wife? He said, oh, is your wife sick? I said, no, 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 no. She's donating one of the kidneys to someone. Oh, is your children sick? Is any of your siblings sick? Because in my mind, I was thinking, who would you give to your, you donate your kidney? It your definitely be your, 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 your children or someone close to you. Is no, she's giving to one of the brothers in church. He's dying. He's giving away. She's giving away one of her kidneys, donating one of her kidneys to someone, a brother in church because he is dying. That was in August. Thank God, the trans the transplant done the successfully. Now the, both of them are on the road of recovery. If I happen to meet this brother. If I ask him how much Pastor Ziegler's wife loves you, I'm sure he will say very much. Without her, I cannot be here. She gave me her kidney so that I can live. If not, I will not, I will die. Likewise, how do you know Jesus loves you? He died on the cross for you. And not only that, pastors, wife, we see the glimpse, the glimpse of Christ's love only because when Jesus died on the cross, we are yet sinner. We are yet sinner. We are unworthy. It's nothing good that Jesus had to do that for us. When we are yet sinner, Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. So that we in Him we can have reconciliation with God. In Him we can have this eternal life, eternal home. I hope this incident can help you to understand how much Christ loves us when we are yet sinner. It's far greater than donating a kidney. Donating a kidney is so great to me, it's great love. But Christ's love is far greater. If I stop here, you probably think that I'm trying to preach you to give up everything for, the, for, for, for Jesus or for the church and or become a monk. Let's look at the gain. We don't just look at the loss. The gain. The important thing is the gain that will motivate us that we counted as loss those achievements. In verse 8, Paul said, indeed, I count everything as loss he said, I count everything as lost. Please note, this is present tense. Count. Just now, Paul said, I counted everything as lost. was past tense. So here, Paul is talking about from salvation to sanctification. Paul is talking about from new birth. After you met Jesus, you count everything, counted everything as lost accept Jesus, you are new birth, you are new creation, you have the relationship with Jesus, and you are in God's family, you are children of God. Now you are talking about Christian living. A Christian living. And some 20, 20 30 years ago, when Paul trusted Jesus, and today, at this, at this time, he wrote this letter, he said, I'm still counting. I'm still counting as loss, everything as loss. Importantly is he can see the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. That is the secret of Christian living. Focus on Jesus, look at Jesus, treasure Jesus, embrace Jesus by knowing him. The knowing here is not talking about intellectually, you know who is Jesus, he's son of God, he came, he died, he resurrected. Many second gen, third gen Christians, they only know Jesus. They know intellectually, they know Jesus. But here is not just simply I know in my mind. It's talking about the relationship, talking about experience God, experience Jesus, and you taste him. If I tell you, Mao San Wang is very nice. And you say, how do you know? I say, oh, I watch TikTok. TikTok tell me it's very nice. Oh, Simon told me. Simon Lim is a uh, during King. I, 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 know, I don't know if you know him or not. Simon told me. Mao San Wang is very nice. And if you ask me, have you tasted before? I say, oh no, not really. I just know it's very nice. Then I do really know what is Mao San Wang. Until I put a seed of Mao San Wang into my mouth. And, wow, the seed is so thin. The flesh is so thick, so creamy. And I taste it. I know Mao, Suang, Mao San Wang is very nice. And I tell you it's very nice. Then you'll believe me. Likewise, we need to taste it. We need to experience it. It's about relationship. Psalm 34 also say that. Taste and see the Lord is good. You need to experience it. It's not just... Intellectually, oh, Jesus is Lord. Jesus, uh, Son of God, came down. Uh, this is just information. How to put this information into your heart. You need to have personal worship. Personal worship is your, 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 your devotion, your prayer time. How to, how to build the, this intimate, intimate relationship with Jesus. You need to go to the scripture to know Him. The more you know Jesus, the more you will put your trust, faith, and confidence in Jesus. When you want to put your faith, trust, and confidence in an object, you need to know who, what is this. If you just vaguely, oh, pastor say this, pastor say that, I know about this and that, but you don't really go into it and have this t- taste and experience our Lord then your your confidence is not there. Your faith and trust is not there. You need to build that kind of relationship. And the more you have that kind of relationship with Jesus Christ, the more satisfaction you can have. That's Christian living. We want to be in Christ and we want to find satisfaction in Christ. Paul... go, go so, uh, following, say that, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. The comparison, the result of the comparison with Christ, whatever he owned, whatever achievements he had, he counted them as rubbish. Rubbish, the other translation translates as garbage or dung. When you had this comparison, the glory, the light of Jesus Christ is far greater than, the value is far greater than whatever you own, you can own. But it doesn't mean that whatever you own right now is bad. It's not. It's not bad. Whatever you own now, the God of the world, Satan, will use it to blind you, to prevent you to draw near to Jesus. So you need to focus on Jesus and when you focus on Jesus, the resources, the provision that God gives you, that is not, no longer your confidence. But you still can enjoy it. But if God takes away you will not, wow, I'm, going, I'm dying because I don't have this, I don't have that. Because your satisfaction is in Jesus, your focus is on Jesus, and all this, you will enjoy it even better. You were not afraid that people may take it away. You were not afraid that one day this will, may be gone, and you will enjoy it even far better. Let's look at Paul's confidence. Verse 9 says that not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in, G- in Christ. In the past, before the conversion of Paul, all his righteousness is from the law, from, from the flesh. In Isaiah 64, says that our righteousness is like a filthy rag. It's like a polluted garment. ESV translated as polluted garment. So in the past, Paul is wearing this polluted garment. In God's eyes, he he was wearing wearing this polluted garment, and it's like a dung, trash, rubbish, garbage. It's disgusting. But now, because of the faith in Christ, he's clothed with Christ's righteousness. So, verse, 2 Corinthians verse, uh, verse 521 explains esp- it very clearly. He said that, For our sake, he made him to be sin. For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin. Jesus has no sin, but he, take, he took all our sin on himself on the cross and die for us on the cross. And so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So in Jesus, now we have God's righteousness. Now God's righteousness is credited into our account. Now we are clothed with Christ's righteousness. So when God sees us, he sees us like his son Jesus Christ, never seen before. This is why a sinner, sinners like us can access to God. God is a holy God. How can sinners like us access to the holy God? No way, unless we have this Christ righteousness. We clothe with Christ righteousness. Then we can access to the throne. We can access to God. We can have this relationship with God, intimate relationship with God. We can pray to God. God is our Heavenly Father because of this righteousness that now is in us. When Jesus was on the cross, after he said it is finished, he gave up his life. At that moment, the curtain between the holy and the holy of holies torn into half from top to bottom. It torn into half. This symbolises that in, if you go to Hebrews 10, he said that this curtain is Christ's body. If Christ's body breaks into half so that he opened a new and living way so that we can access to the Holy of Holies without fear, now we can, because of Christ, because we are in Christ, we can have this relationship with our God and access to the throne of grace. Three days later, he resurrected. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so important because in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul said that if without resurrection, if Jesus was not raised, all our, all our faith, all our preaching are in vain. It's useless. But Jesus resurrected three days later. So the power of resurrection. The power of resurrection that makes sure our faith in Christ, we will have the righteousness. So with the power right now, I have the confidence because it no longer depends on my own credits, or own righteousness. I now repent on Christ's righteousness, the finished work of Jesus Christ. And now I can share his suffering. I'm union, united with Christ. I can share his suffering and also becoming like him in his death. This is the union. The unite, I'm united with Christ. I'm sure when Paul said that, share his suffering... It's not just simply three words. It's a lot. What Paul went through, what kind of suffering he went through, he shared Christ's suffering. Shipwreck. he was stoned, he was persecuted, he was betrayed, and he went through all this for what? For the gospel's sake. For the gospel's sake. Let me share with you another story of me when I was in mission field. That can relate this sharing of Christ's suffering. There was a year, the city that I'm serving in, the police decided to check on all the foreigners. My role, when I, my my ministry there, I was um, uh, like a businessman bring in a lot of quality English teachers, they are missionaries, huh, by the way, from America, from Philippines, from uh, Canada, from different places, and I, to bring them, to place them in the universities to teach English. So there are about 30 universities, big and small, in that, in that city. So there are more than 80% of the universities actually get teachers from me. Uh, we started with about seven teachers, and that, during that year, about four or five years later, we have about 30 over teachers. God bless us with many labels, and we are there reaching out to many students. So, this particular year, the police decided to check on all the foreigners. They, they started calling all the foreign affairs departments and ask, uh, who is your foreign teachers? Where are they from? Uh, how are they doing? Da, da, da. And when he asked where are they from, all of them point to me. <laughs> and the police were so surprised. Huh? There's such a person, Mr. Lim from Singapore. They call me as Mr. Lim from Singapore because they see me as a businessman. They said such a person, Mr. Lim from Singapore, bringing so many foreigners. And this department is actually uh, monitoring all the foreigners' movement in the city. We didn't even know that who is this Mr. Lim. So this police called me, summoned me to the office. So I went to the office. He sit me down and said, oh, he was quite nice. Oh, yeah, where are your teachers from? Who are they? Which school? And give me your list. And then I, I write to him and all this. Then he said, oh, he's like writing a statement. Huh? Okay, sign here, sign here. So I, blah, blah, la, I, sign, la. I sign. Sign ready. He put this aside. He stand up. A very thick law book. Hit on the table. Do you know you did something wrong? Do you know you committed this offence? This offence, this offence, this offence. flip, 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 flip. I was stunned. I said, oh, what happened? And he said, I'm going to find you. I'm going to jail you. I'm going to chase you out of the country. I said, Lord, please give me your your word. I don't know what to say now. And I said, "Uh, sir, I need to check with my lawyer. I don't have a lawyer anyway. (laughs) I said, I need to get out from, from that situation. I said, I need to check with my lawyer. Okay, you go and check your lawyer. So I went back and checked with all the foreign affairs directors. I said, hey, please, can you do something? And one day, the police called me again. Tomorrow, come and see me. Wow, anxiety. A lot of anxiety. So next day morning, when I wake up, my devotion is all about the suffering of Jesus. How he went through, spade on him, the throne of crowns. The torture. He went through all this. How he died on the cross. How he resurrected. And I, I cry, the morning I cry. I tell myself, what is this that I went, am going through right now compared to what Jesus had done for me. I share. I share Christ's suffering. Because for the gospel's sake, Christ's suffering encouraged me, motivated me to face the challenges, give me the confidence to face the challenges in life. Thankfully, someone knows someone, you know, in that country, you need relationship. Someone knows someone, and in fact, he called me and she wanted to be nice to me. And next time, if anything can come and look for me. I'm thankful things just settled like this. So, today's sermon is talking about confidence. Of course, now you know our confidence shouldn't be in our achievements, in what we own. Our confidence should be in Christ. And just now the video about anniversary video also talked about, we had to drink in the gospel, leave out the gospel, and give out the gospel. It's the same thing. Now we have the gospel. We need to live out the gospel. How? Have confidence in Jesus. Put our faith in Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Recognize his value. Treasure the value. If you always sway away or you try to depend on yourself too much, remember we have a care group here. Remember we have a discipleship group. Remember that our church statement. Mission statement is leading generation into life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. This is spot on. You need to have this life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot fight alone in this battle. You need to fight together as a brothers and sisters, as a church. So join the small group. Join the care group. Oh, i in charge of care group. Huh? It's advertisement time. <laughs> join the care group if you don't have So that you can be in the community to encourage one another. So that's all I'm gonna say to share today. Prayfully that you will know how to you'll be encouraged and will know how to live out the gospel and give out the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Thank you again for your grace and your love. Thank you again for your son Jesus Christ. love us so much and willing to take the form of man and came to this world to die for us on the cross. And today, through Christ, we can, in Christ, we can have this relationship and reconciliation with our Lord, our God, the Father. Pray that we will know how to bring in the gospel and live out the gospel. We will know how to put our confidence in Christ we know how to focus on our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I also want to pray for those who are seeking. Pray that you through today's message, they will see that whatever they are holding on to, thing that can save them, it it can't save them. They need Jesus. Only Jesus is enough. There's no Jesus plus help them to count all they have as loss so that they can they can turn to Jesus and follow Jesus. For the last song pray that you will become it will be our prayer and commit this time unto you in Jesus name. Amen.